and welcome again to another exciting edition of Lost in Science. This is half an hour on your radiogram type contraption where we bring you half an hour or so of science. And who are we? Well, I am Stu and with me this week I have Chris. Hello, Stu. Hi, Chris. And what have you brought in for us this week that is of a sciencey nature? Well, of a sciencey nature. I could just say um, apologies. I do have a bit of a cold at the moment, hence my particularly husky voice, shall we say. You're riding the wave of the winter cold cough and flu surge, I believe. That's right. That's right. So I'll talk about something that I guess I thought about recently. We're talking about things like um, being tuned and being radical and that sort of stuff for various reasons. Yes. It got me thinking about fine-tuning in physics. Uh, are you familiar with this, Stu? Not really. Um, I have I have heard it mentioned, but, you know, as with many topics in the in the world of physics, I probably don't understand enough about it. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, I should say I'm not talking about um, the, the conspiracy theory about the, the tuning of the um, of the what do we call it the scale to 440 hertz, which if you haven't heard of that conspiracy theory, it is a whole other thing. Oh look, yeah, I've seen. I've, I think I've seen the one that you're talking about, but you know, as you say, there's not a lot to it. Now, what I'm talking about is the idea that uh, the laws of physics, or in particular, I suppose the numbers in the laws of physics, the parameters in the equations, seem to be finely tuned to give us a universe capable of supporting life. So it's similar to the anthropic principle in that sense, but it's it's kind of wondering why the yeah the the numbers in the equations have the values that they do that seem to be just right. Um, so this was a long-standing, I guess, problem in physics. I see people talking about it less um, because perhaps I think there are maybe some more confidence in some of the possible solutions to this particular problem. But yeah, I thought I'd have a bit of a talk about that because it's really big picture stuff about why the universe is the way it is. Would the simple answer not be that if the if the universe wasn't tuned to support life as we exist, we wouldn't exist? Is that that's the simple answer, right? <laughs> well that's that's one way of looking at it. But then why do we exist at all? You start getting into those sort of questions. Look, we'll we'll discuss that kind of philosophy, Stu, and a bit later when we get into the story. I don't wanna I don't wanna start the argument now. Oh, okay. We'll leave the argument for later. Yeah, Great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what have you got for us today, Stu? Well, um, look, I was I was a bit concerned to read recently that um, you know there's there's a large-ish nation in the world who have started to pull some pretty fundamental science subjects from their school curricula, and um, I was just going to have a, a bit of a talk about sort of there's a bit of history behind that. Um, of, of countries doing that, but I was going to just talk about what what's what's the effect of, of a, a country deciding which science to teach and which science not to teach and and how that's not necessarily a great thing for uh, political organisations to choose. Is this a country I may have heard of? Oh, it's definitely a country you've heard of. Can you spoil it? Can you tell us what it is? It's one of the two biggest countries in the world. Okay, okay, well. If, that, if that's a spoiler... Um, it's it's the more it's the more western of those. Right. Two. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Nudge. Nudge. Wink. So. So. Uh, yeah. I'll get to that uh, a bit later. But uh, for now, uh, let's get on with the show.
Okay, yes, you're listening to Lost in Science, and we are trying to solve the mysteries of the universe. Well, one particular mystery, which is, why is the universe the way it is? Which actually is a fairly big one, I suppose, when you think about it. <laughs> that's that's kind of the biggest question there is, isn't it? Why is the universe the way it is? Yeah. So as I said in the introduction, it does seem as if uh, the laws of physics are finely tuned to be compatible with life. Now, there are a lot of aspects to this notion, but to essentially explain what it is. So what, what has been speculated is that if, for instance, if the... The fundamental forces, you know, there are the four fundamental forces, the, um, the strong nuclear force, a weak nuclear force, electromagnetism and gravity. If they had different strengths, then it would be a very different universe. You know, um, stars might not be able to form or atoms might not even be able to form. Um, basically, all the, yeah, the structure of the universe and chemistry would be completely different if there were slight changes to these uh yeah, to these parameters give tells the strength of the forces. Um, and similarly, on a different scale, if you looked at the, um, the I guess, the number, amount of mass in the universe as a whole mass and energy, um, if there was too much, then the universe would collapse and life may not have time to evolve. Or if the expansion of the universe was too rapid, then things would be blown apart too quickly and matter would not have been able to form galaxies and stars and things, which, of course, we need to survive. So, yeah, there's a lot of things here that seem like they are just right. Now, um, I want to obviously get the, I suppose, the old theological arguments out of the way, um, which is essentially that this is, I guess, this is one legitimate philosophical way of solving this problem, is to say that there is some supreme being um, that has made the universe in this way. Um, and that's look, that's fine if that's your your religion or your faith. Um, it's not, I guess, from a scientific point of view, a terribly satisfactory answer because there's no scientific evidence for it. Um, and it's also kind of arbitrary in a way. I mean, you could argue that such a supreme being clearly wants there to be life, but you basically are saying things just are the way they are. You're not really explaining anything further than just saying it just is. Um, it, it's it's ultimately the the worst uh, answer a parent can give when someone asks a question. Why why is it so? Just because. Yeah, yeah. And for the um, <coughs> sorry, for the non-religious out there, I put um, the idea that the universe is a simulation in the same bucket. It is slightly different, obviously, but I think similar kind of criticisms apply to it. Is, is it really that different to say there's a creator that we don't know their origin who made the universe the way it is? Is that any different really than saying it's a simulation made by a creator for reasons we don't understand who we don't really know what they are? I mean, it's I, kind of the same answer. I guess like if you can get into the religious side of things, I mean, religions tend to come with a bit more explanation for why and that sort of stuff. And simulations seem to be, yeah, the rules are slightly different shall we say. And like, I don't really want to get into that because the whole simulation question is, uh, it's a lot of speculation as well. And I don't, I don't personally find it terribly fruitful. Um, yes. Maybe we could talk about that another time. Um, look, see, the other big explanation, I suppose, is the idea that there is some sort of theory of everything that will explain this. Now, um, the idea of there being a theory of everything sort of comes and goes. It sometimes sounds like a bit of a pipe dream. Um, but it's quite important to consider because really when we say, um, you know, how the parameters of the universe could be different, we don't really know how many parameters we can actually fiddle with. 
you know, that mm. there might be reasons that they are the way they are that's based on some fundamental theory that we just don't understand. Uh, you don't even need to have a full, complete theory of absolutely everything. Usually when you have new discoveries or new kind of theories that explain the world, they reveal new connections between things and give you some sort of explanation for why things are the way they are. Um, so as an example, we're talking about the, um, the amount of mass in the universe being just right. Uh, like, so we look at the universe and it seems to be kind of um, flat on a cosmic scale uh, in that it is sort of expanding, but there's not a really strong curvature to it going one way or the other, that it's going to collapse or going to be expanding infinitely, although there is a very small amount of dark energy that's causing the expansion to accelerate. So it is complicated, but it basically seems to be just the right amount of matter energy to balance out so the universe is flat. Um, this is quite neatly explained by the theory of cosmic inflation, which essentially says that at the early stage of the universe, there was a very exponentially rapid expansion um, that then stopped. And this exponentially rapid expansion basically smoothed everything out and made the universe flat. Uh, and this, is, this explains a lot of other things we see about the structure of the universe and the, the formation of the, the early universe. But essentially, it means that these questions about is the universe curved in one particular way on a large scale? If it is, it's outside the scale of what we can see because of this inflationary period. So it's kind of a neat theory that explains the flatness without just being to say it's arbitrary. There is a mechanism involved for it. So it's it's like the the cosmic reserve bank is 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 reducing the inflationary pressure. Is that what you're saying? Well, there was a very high inflation and then they it stopped. <laughs> <laughs> rapidly yeah okay you can look at it that way if you want um when i say flatness i mean that yeah the overall curvature of the universe if there's too much mass the universe is what they call positively curved so it bends in on itself uh if it's too little mass then the universe is negatively curved so kind of everything kind of bends outwards um and it seems to be just right and then this is quite neatly explained by cosmic inflation uh look another possible explanation that is sort of physics related is the multiverse um now this is something that has become more and more popular, especially in Hollywood lately. Mm. Um, but it can come out of possible theories of everything, like string theories, or even can come out of this idea of inflation because this, uh, you know, our universe is essentially condensed out of an inflationary structure. And that can happen kind of, you think of little bubbles in different places. There could be multiple universes with perhaps different kind of resting states. And so essentially there could be multiple universes with different laws of physics. Um, and this is kind of is a popular notion these days, and it is, it kind of gives you an explanation for why uh, things are finely tuned. And it's kind of back to what you said in the introduction. You know, we, it's a selection bias that we see a universe suitable for life because we are here, but all universes are possible, and and actually exist out there somewhere. We just, of course, happen to exist in the one where we are able to exist. And people have even tried to use this kind of logic to work out things like the probability of our universe existing the way it is and trying to deduce from that the nature of these fundamental laws. So this is another possible solution. And like I said, one of the things is probably the main reason why there is this concern over fine-tuning these days because there is a fairly natural solution to, that comes out of um, modern physics. But look, there are some other ideas that I guess should be considered. Um, one is going back and asking the original question, exactly how fine-tuned is our universe anyway? Like, we're looking at it and going, wow, it seems to be just right the way it is. 
but how do we know that it couldn't also support life in a different way? Um, how do we know that, for instance, stars couldn't form if the laws of physics aren't slightly different because we only see stars forming with the laws of physics we have? You know, we can speculate on it, but there are different opinions about things and we can't really prove them one way or the other because we don't have those laws of physics. And also, you know, I was talking about how, you know, we depend on a certain chemistry, a certain arrangement of atoms to be given us a chemistry that our life depends on. Does life have to be based on the same carbon-based chemistry as us? You know, we're just assuming that it does because that's how we are. Uh, but we can't say for certain either way. And look, we don't even know that our universe is the optimum one for life. You know, we haven't yet discovered life on other planets. For all we know, we happen to be in a universe where life is very rare. And that there might be other universes where that are teeming with life and we're in one of the the less functional ones. It it is hard to it is hard to make a, an assessment when you've only got one example of, of the of the phenomena you're talking about. Well it's also that like we think we say there is life in our universe and we say, Oh well it must be designed for life, but we've only found life on one planet so far in our universe. Yep. And for all we know other universes could have a much higher success rate. Um, we could be on one of the the more barren universes, for all we know. Yeah, so it's kind of presumptuous to say that we are in the ideal universe, I think. But uh, look, look, we don't. So the thing is, we're not. We don't know about this question. We don't even know how finely tuned we are, and yeah, we don't really know for certain. Like there are some possible solutions there. We don't know for certain what they are. I mean, myself, I think I like the idea of there being fundamental theories that explain things a bit better. And I suspect we will at least solve, answer some of these questions with fundamental theories. But again, that's also my bias and I shouldn't assume that the universe is going to work the way I want it to. But for myself, this is my opinion, I find that I guess more satisfying than, you know, a higher being arbitrarily setting the fundamental constants or the fact that there are like, we, our existence relies on there being an infinite number of dead universes out there in multidimensional space. Um, yeah, I think if there's a, a neater explanation, it's, it's a, a lot nicer. I think we're lost. We're not lost. Not even any short range radio signals yet? Except for a single, very powerful radio emission. Of course, a transmitter of that sort isn't exactly standard equipment. The science and technology must be absolutely mind boggling. Of course, that's uh, it's mostly on the theoretical side. What's so far? Across Australia on the Community Radio Network, you're listening to Lost in Science. Now, some big ideas are constantly under high levels of scrutiny, and it may just be the cost of fame, but names like Newton and Einstein and Mendeleev and Darwin, they're well known, 
because of the scientific ideas they brought to the world. And proving them wrong is certainly a challenge taken up by many people, especially lots of non-scientists. Um, but their work is groundbreaking for explaining things better than anyone else could at the time. And, you know, that's not to say that they weren't, uh, that there aren't things that you can pick up that they didn't explain very well or they could have explained better, but their explanations were pretty good uh, and certainly changed the direction of the way things were going in science and, and in other parts of um, society as well. I think it's also, though, worth remembering that these kind of these, some of these, a lot of these revolutionary ideas, they weren't automatically accepted. It wasn't just like, Einstein publishes a paper and says, everyone goes, oh, this is completely different to everything we've seen before. All right, this is what we believe now. I mean, we think there's opposition today. There was much more opposition back in his time. Oh, absolutely. And 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 the interesting thing is um, they were competing ideas. There was, there was people with other ideas mm. about how things worked. And what actually pushed these ideas to the top is that they did explain things better than anyone else's explanation, which is why they ended up being accepted in the end um, in, in these cases. Now, evolution has been a controversial topic since Darwin was first basically forced to publish his ideas at the insistence of, insistence of someone who had very similar ideas but was aware of Darwin's work. And they said, hey, Charles, you better, uh, you better publish that stuff you've got sitting in the filing cabinet um, or I'll beat you to the punch. But more precisely, the idea of evolution by natural selection if followed to its logical conclusion, suggests that all organisms of a particular type are descended from a common ancestor. And if you keep pushing that idea to its extreme, it suggests that all organisms on Earth are descended from the same common ancestor. And this is quite honestly backed up by a lot of evidence. The presence of DNA and RNA, the mechanism of reproduction of those nucleic acids, they're all present in all living things on Earth, for example, and that's just one example of, of evidence for that uh, concept. But that doesn't fit well with certain other ideas about the world, particularly ideas about humans and their place in it. And if you look at a lot of creation stories, humans are special in the story and separate from or often even superior to other living things. Now, when you think about the, the, the recentness of Darwin, it was only 70 years after Darwin published On the Origin of the Species. Schools in Arkansas and Tennessee in the United States were banned from teaching evolution. So that was in, in the 1920s. That's how close mm. it was to the original publication. Uh, because of the implications that the theory had on the origin of humans, and the discrepancy of those implications with religious beliefs, basically. Um, now, many teachers of the time in those states of the US sidestepped the issue by following the law to the letter. Now, the law specifically prohibited the teaching of evolution as it related to humans. So a lot of science teachers just taught evolution and didn't teach evolution of humans. They taught evolutions of everything else. Um, and that avoided the question of human origins altogether. And by the 1960s, even though the laws were still there, nobody was really enforcing those laws. And even though that, that sort of faded away, in the 1980s, we got a flurry of legal action in US states 
both for and against teaching evolution in schools. And the teaching of evolution seems to have the upper hand for now, but there is still conflict about this. Now, the real problem is the real problem with not teaching evolutionary theory, often commonly called Darwinism, is that without that way of viewing living things, much of the rest of biology is very, very difficult to explain. The explanations don't really, uh, don't really cut it. And I think it's a lot of it comes back to what you were, what you mentioned earlier, Chris. Is you can just say, well, a supreme being made it that way, and therefore that's how it is. But then there's not much point studying biology if that's the answer you're going mm. to you're going to fall back on. So the issue is that. If you, if you reject the biological explanations which are based on evolutionary theory, you have to bring up explanations which, which question explanations in almost every other science. So all these biological ideas and hypotheses are based on you know, physical and chemical uh, precepts that we already know and accept and work and predict things in other ways as well. So... Kids who aren't taught about evolution will have a very shallow understanding of biology in general, which will potentially impact their ability to work in fields where an understanding of biology is essential. And that is all sorts of areas of, of industry in things like agriculture. You've got things like animal science and even in medicine. If we don't understand biology, we're not going to be able to interact effectively with the biological world well we've just seen we've just had a pandemic where we've looked at uh, an evolution of a virus has uh, been a huge factor and changing in real time so yeah evolution is very important for understanding how to control something like that yeah and it can have a huge impact on society if we if we don't understand it and with people who have been you know not listening to the science about these things it, it causes all sorts of problems um, but the building blocks of biology are evolutionary theory, and modern understanding of biology is built on this explanation of the way organisms compete for resources against each other, the best suited individuals pushing their species in new directions, or often keeping them the same because their conditions don't change. Um, now, if parts of the world don't teach evolution in schools, it won't stop science from continuing to investigate the biological world. It will just exclude those students from those parts of the world from fully benefiting from that study. And I guess the same can be applied to any area of science. Disagreements with the repercussions of scientific understanding are not just a matter of opinion. They are realities that can be demonstrated in many areas of science. Um, and when it comes down to it, the only way to show that a scientific explanation is incorrect is to provide a better scientific explanation mm. that makes better predictions about real-world outcomes. You can't just disagree and say, well, I think you're wrong, because that's not how science works. So you were saying that this is relevant. There is a particular country that should not be named where there is um, yeah, areas of science that have been forbidden from teaching. I'm assuming you're not talking about Arkansas in the 1920s here. You're talking about something more recent? I am talking about something more recent. And, you know, the, this, this is actually, it does come up in the US quite often. But look, to be honest, I don't think it's 
the top of their agenda regarding what happens in US schools to school students because there's worse, worse things happening in the US to school students than what they get taught. But the US isn't the only country in the world. Much more recently, India has announced they will be dropping evolution from their national high school curriculum. So this seems to be a result of ideological objections to the implications of the theory of evolution itself. Um, but but this, is, this is not the only thing they're dropping. And this is probably even more surprising and possibly more worrying. They've also moved to remove the periodic table oh. from high school classes. For what reason do we know? It... it goes against some beliefs of some people, apparently, that they think that chemistry doesn't work the way that chemistry is understood to work by, by science. Um, and, you know, just as evolution is the grandparent of modern biological science, the periodic table is like the alphabet of chemistry. The way we understand atoms and molecules and chemical interactions is all based on the concepts that the periodic table represents. And if you remove the periodic table, it's hard to understand how anyone could study chemistry or any of the sciences that are built on chemistry without the basic understanding of atomic theory that the periodic table allows us to have. Um, the periodic table itself allowed us to discover a whole lot of different atoms, a whole lot of different elements that were unknown, basically because of how logical and how clearly it sets out how chemistry works. So uh, without an understanding of that chemistry, without the basis of understanding in, in that chemistry, anyone will have a very hard time studying further in the fields where that knowledge is essential. And just, just to, to sort of give a bit of perspective. So Arkansas is a state in the US. It has a population currently of 3 million people. India has a population of 1.4 billion people. It's one of the most populous countries on earth. And without being able to, without a population who understands the basics of science, that country is in danger of falling behind the rest of the world in as far as science and technology and advancement of their industry and advancement of science in general. is all we have time for this week on lost in science thank you for joining us in getting lost if you have any questions or suggestions for the team get in touch with us by email we are lost at gmail.com you can send cheap tweets to us at lost in science one on twitter or you can find us on the ubiquitous facebook Lost in Science is recorded at the studios of 3CR in Melbourne on the land of the Kulin Nation and is broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network with the assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. 
You can find a podcast version of the show on 3cr.org.au or you can tune in the way you did this week when we return in our usual time slot to get Lost in Science! Thanks for listening to a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online.